0: Wink, and I'm so thrilled you're listening in with us at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. Well, you know what? We have something really exciting coming up. Over the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about tough questions people ask about Christianity. This is going to be really good, you guys. I'm really excited. But before we dive into some of those tough questions in the coming weeks, We are going to talk about the kind of posture we should have when giving a defense for what we believe. And in particular, we're going to be talking about that tricky balance between truth and love. And I know you understand what I'm talking about. It's like, is it all truth? Is it all love? Or where are we somewhere in the middle? So this is going to be a good way for us to set up the tough questions we'll be discussing in the coming week. So let's get started. In today's episode of Root Like Faith, we are starting a short series on tough questions people ask about Christianity. And in particular, we are going to be talking about the tricky balance between truth and love. It's difficult to balance love and truth. So which is it? You know, is it all truth? Is it all love? Like, where do we go from here? How do we love those that are not yet Christians in a loving way, but without compromising the truth? Here's the thing. We are doing this episode because we believe it really is possible to be committed to both. And not only is it possible, I feel like God wants us to be committed to both.
1: Yeah. Can we just like sort of step back for a minute and yeah. just speak the truth about how much we love October? <laughs> Funny. I, mean, I mean, honestly, like just before we get serious here, like <laughs> why well, that is serious. Like, I just want to say for a moment. Like if I could live in any month
0: yeah, it, for the, the entire October. year a for the rest
1: of my life, I think, honestly, I think it would be October. Yeah. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah. We just put the front door mat out that says love fall.
1: Yeah. so And that's the do. truth.
0: Love fall best of all. That's what it says. And Ab- it is.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's glorious. Well, it's, it's, it's glorious. It's glorious in It's
1: pumpkin Michigan. spice season for those that are into those kinds of I'm things. I'm not
0: really into pumpkin
1: spice. I'm not either, but I have a feeling some of our listeners I'm are. I'm
0: sure they are because there's be... a lot of people that are. And I'm yeah. sorry if you like pumpkin spice. <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's not that I don't like it, but I don't go crazy for it like a lot of people do. So anyways.
1: Anyways, it, it is, it, it's hooded sweatshirt season. Yes. It's sweater season. Yes. It's Berks with socks on season. I
0: am a cardigan wearer. I'm a cardigan wearer all all summer too. So this is like, this is the perfect time for me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. What? So, back, so back to the, the, okay, the point yeah, of honey, the episode. Okay, Sorry let's get back to us the. There. <laughs> um, but you're right. You know, I know this is something you and I have talked about a lot uh, over the years, and especially as we've you know been blogging and, and writing over the last ten years. You know, mm-hmm. we know folks that that have really struggled. Um, in this area, like like in a public way, you know, authors that that sort of started out in one camp and have really drifted mm-hmm. uh, into another camp, and in many cases, uh, we there's folks we know that have completely abandoned, you know, the the truth of, of scripture. Right, and so it it is a challenge. This whole balance of of love and truth. You know, how do we live as a follower of Jesus? How do we be faithful uh, to who God is? Yet at the same time, like like love people who sometimes are far from Jesus. Right. And so how do we balance that that tension of, of being a loving people, but also being willing to speak the truth? And it, it is a really tough balance well, at times. I
0: think that, you know, you talking about certain people that we see in the public arena who have drifted, I think that's what makes um, other Christians kind of shy away from loving too much. I I don't know how else to say it, but, you know, because automatically they think, oh, no, you know, you're going to go far off from the truth if you love too much. And so there's got to be a better way.
1: Yeah. So let's just back up really quickly and look at first Peter three, verse 15, because I think this is such a foundational verse and passage you know as Peter was writing to a group of Christians he was writing to a group of Christians that were beginning to suffer in really significant ways and he he writes to them to encourage them to continue to do good and to follow Jesus and uh, i mean they're they're living in a really challenging culture and one of the things i love about verse 15 is I think it really sets a good example of how we're um, supposed to conduct ourselves. Mm. And so um, what Peter says in verse 15 is this. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words... Uh, settle who Jesus is in your heart. Revere Jesus as Lord mm. and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. In other words, what Peter is saying is just be ready, yeah. um, you know, be prepared, uh, get ready to, to be able to explain or to defend why you believe what you believe. But then he goes on and he says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Mm. And then, you know, verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak, maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And so there's just, I think one verse that really gives us, I think a path to, to walk down that, that Peter's saying we need as Christians, part of being rooted in Christ is, is, um, you know, setting him apart, of course, as savior and as Lord, but also being prepared to explain why we believe what we believe. But then Peter really uh, qualifies that. And he says, but do it like in in an honorable, way. do do it with gentleness and respect. I mean, do it in, in a loving way. And so, Give a defense for why you believe what you believe. In other words, speak the truth about why you believe what you believe, but do it in a loving way.
0: Right. And I think, uh, right away, I think of, um, the people that would fall more on the side of just truth, truth and the the harshness, how harsh it can come across.
1: There aren't any harsh Christians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, um, when I hear that verse, and I think gentleness and respect, like, wouldn't that be amazing if as Christians, every time we posted something, you know, about our view on this or that or the other thing online, we actually read this verse to ourselves and asked ourselves the question, you know, are we being respectful? And are we being gentle? Yeah, yeah.
1: it really is. It's disheartening at times. And I think that that posture that many bloggers, writers, speakers take um, only only um, sort of emboldens the uh, the home team, if you will. And so I, I think yeah. oftentimes when you have somebody like that that is really for the truth and the demeanor, the posture that they take sometimes is is very biting. It's it's very sarcastic. Sometimes um, it does more to drive those that are sincerely seeking the truth away.
0: Yeah, and I think as you know, you mentioned authors or, or put people in the public arena. But I mean, honestly, this is for all of us as Christians, think about how you post what you post. Think about this verse, 1 Peter 3.15. I mean, we would it would do us good to write that down and have that in front of us. I'm, I'm-
1: Yeah, and I, I just remember, you know, whether we're posting or, you know, we're talking, of course, we use the example of, you know, somebody in the public sphere who may be a pastor or a writer blogger but i just think about my own experience like early on coming out of bible college where i had hmm. all of the answers you know, yeah we I, <laughs> thought
0: we knew everything or
1: <laughs> i just i was an expert because i went to the moody bible institute right. like bible is in our middle name and so i knew it all and i i remember there was a guy that i worked with i worked at a running store in chicago while I while we were going to school and there was a, a guy that i worked with he um, was was a couple years older than than i was And I invited him over to our part. You were working that night and he came over to our apartment and um, we were watching some Monday night football. Mm -hmm. And as we were just kind of hanging out and talking, he shared with me, that his brother had died um, when when he was Mm -hmm. in college Mm -hmm. and began to ask questions just about, you know, real sincere personal questions about why would God allow that? Which I know we're going to get to that question in particular, I think, in our next episode of why would a good God allow so much suffering Mm -hmm. or evil? And I just completely missed the point in, in that entire conversation. I mean, I had the right answer, but in terms of how I went about answering him and talking with him, was completely in the wrong way and yeah. for years that plagued me I felt so bad about just the way that that I
0: had conducted responded. my yeah. I wasn't
1: gentle I wasn't mm-hmm. humble like I was just so interested in getting across to him the right answer what I thought was the right answer and I just I remember years later uh reaching out to him and apologizing just saying I am so sorry for the way that I that I responded to you and so I think on a personal level whether it's a friend or a family member or, you know, a neighbor, as we're talking about defending or explaining why we believe what we believe, it is so important that, that we clothe that in gentleness and respect mm-hmm. and humility, and, and do it in a way that, that Peter calls the, the church to mm-hmm. do it, um, you know, in as he as he describes that in 1 Peter 3.
0: Right. So this is such a challenge, uh, the balance between truth and love, and really, why do you think why do you think that's such a challenge for us in the church and the culture today?
1: I know it just, it seems like that you, you either see people that are all about the truth or mm. all about love. Right. And, I, you know, I think at least in part, you know, not, the, not that I have all of this figured out by any means, but I think in part, I mean, part of the challenge is that we're living in a culture that has abandoned the truth. And so you, you, you have this challenge uh, of, you know, operating in a culture that for the most part has become morally, you know, relativistic, you know, truth is no longer objective. It's not um, true for all people in all places at all times that the truth has become just whatever your preference is versus mine. And so you have sort of this cultural attitude that is a real challenge to to followers of Jesus. It's hard
0: because you're almost shamed if, you know, yeah by absolutely yeah. yep
1: and so if you profess to to believe that um, that abortion is is a, a sin that it's evil that it's taking innocent life or um, that, that same-sex marriage is wrong I mean because of that stance uh, and because of the culture that we're living in I mean, I mean it is a real real challenge you you come up against um, significant opposition so on the one hand I think it's a challenge to try to balance those two things as followers of Jesus, because of the sort of the cultural, um, just sort of the cultural atmosphere that we're living in. I think the other part is that in many cases, you know, the the church makes it challenging because you have many Christians who are ashamed of the truth. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, you have a culture that's abandoned the truth. On the other hand, you have churches or Christians that are ashamed of the truth. And I just, I'm ashamed um, because I know that's not popular to believe this or to believe that. And so I think those two dynamics can make it really challenging then for, for a follower of Jesus to really uh, have a balanced perspective and, and you know, posture mm-hmm. um, as it relates to just interacting with with non-Christians or, or, you know, people that are not yet following Jesus.
0: Yeah. You know, I've heard you say before, in order for love to truly be love, it must include the truth. And I love that because I think that's, you know, we feel like the people that want to love feel like they have to love and they can't include the truth. You know what I mean? We go from one side to the other, but there is this balance between the two. We must have love and truth. And in order for love to truly be love, we've got to include the truth. That's the most loving thing we could do.
1: Absolutely. I, I know we've, we've talked about this before where you have, you know, sort of that one camp that's all truth. And it's in that camp, you just have people who you know they love Jesus, they love the church. I mean, they want to protect the truth. and so they they love people, want to see people follow Jesus, but oftentimes this camp is lacking compassion, gentleness, humility, it lacks love. And then in the other camp, it's all love. I mean this camp, you you have people who, again, um, they they love Jesus, they love the church, they love people, they want to see people follow Christ. But what is often missing in that camp is the truth. And, and like you're saying, we need both of those things mm-hmm. that those things are not mutually exclusive. And you know, I always think of the example, of going in to see you know the specialist after I was diagnosed with cancer yeah and you know waiting eight days and going in and and hearing the truth in a compassionate way that I had cancer I mean that was the most loving thing that the doctor could have yeah. told me um, right. and so th- the most loving thing that that he told me was the truth about my condition it, it saved my life right. and so if he would have downplayed that or minimize that or not told me that I had a, a disease that that was going to take my life if it wasn't treated, mm-hmm. um, that wouldn't have been loving at all. And so I think about that often when we're talking about this topic, because I think that that's a good, you know, example of how both of those really, um, they, they do go together. And I think you see that in the scriptures, you know, first Corinthians 13, um, you know, four through eight is a good example. And of course, Paul, as he's talking about this description of love, he's talking about it, of course, in the context of, of spiritual gifts and how our spiritual gifts need to be exercised out mm-hmm. of love. And, and so that, I mean, that's the context. Yeah. And of course, we always hear this passage read at weddings. You know, this is you know, the definition of what love is. Yeah. But in the context, Paul's talking about spiritual gifts. But the point is, is that as he's describing what love is, he tells us that love always rejoices with the truth. And so in verse four, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Um, and then here it is. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices mm. with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Mm. Love never fails. Right. Um, and so I think the point that we ought to take from that, again, is that that love and truth are not mutually Exclusive, in fact, what Paul is saying in First Corinthians thirteen is is that um, love actually rejoices with the truth, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, I think you see that in the life of Jesus. You know, when when John is recording, uh, the, you know, sort of about about Jesus coming, he, he's talking in John one one about the Word becoming flesh and making His dwelling among us. That passage it really talks about uh, how Jesus is God in the flesh, and he gets to verse fourteen, and he says the the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, right? And so this is, you know, when we think about words, we think about, you know, using words to communicate. And and John is saying, you know, Jesus is God's final and fullest communication to us about who he is. And so Jesus is described as the word. He's God's communication of who the father is to us. And the word, he became flesh. You know, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the word becomes flesh. And he makes his dwelling among us. Uh, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And then notice what John says at the very end of verse 14, who is full of grace and truth.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: I think one of the things that that we ought to be doing is we ought to just spend a lot of time in the gospels looking at the life of Jesus. How does he interact with people? But John says, I think something really important as it relates to this tension that we all feel at times is that Jesus Uh, doesn't separate those two things. He's not Mm. all grace. Uh, He's not all truth. He's actually full of grace and truth. And and I've really never
0: thought about, I mean, that verse, obviously I've heard multiple times in my life and have never thought about the end of that full of grace and truth and how much that applies really to our current day and to how we approach issues um, with other people. So, okay, we we need to get really practical here because here's the bottom line it is really hard to do this in our culture today and so um how do we how do we do this um well, first let's start with how do we know, like, what are those, like when we're talking about truth, like, you know, do I stand, what do I exactly, do I stand for? Are there certain things that don't really matter? You know, like what, where, how do, yeah. where do I go from here?
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, one of the things I just shared this story one time, um, somebody said to me, which came first love or truth. <laughs> yeah. And this was coming from uh, a friend who I would say was probably, uh, you know, historically in in his life, you know, aired more on the side of of loving mm. uh, than than being truthful with people, and so he was you know trying to in some way sort of catch me in in a, a bit of a dilemma, right? And so right. he wanted to know which came first, you know, and that's the, always the God, h- yeah, it, yeah, you know, was it God's love or God's truth? And I think you know my response to him was that it's really a faulty starting point. Mm. And so I think what's implied in that question is that there was a point in God's character and God's nature where he was just love. And then maybe, you know, a year down the road or, you know, five years down, whatever, that then he He added added truth, truth, you know, to his character, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is not who God is. Um, and so I, you know, my pushback to that was that it's a faulty starting point. Number one, um, that, that that's not how God's nature is. It's not who God's character is that there was never a time where God was just love. And then he added a little bit of truth onto that and then holiness down the road and then justice. And then He became a Michigan Wolverines football, whatever Honey. it is, whatever those attributes are. Um, it's a faulty starting point. And right. so that, that was part of it. And then, you know, the other part of that is that, that it's a, you know, it's a false dilemma. It's, it's kind of what we were talking about before that what was assumed in that is that those two things can't, you know, they're, they they're can't mutually coexist. They can't coexist. Right. And so I think it's really important for us as Christians, again, this is important for us as we're thinking about being, um, you know, we want to have a soft, soft heart. We want to have a sharp yes. mind. This is where we need to have a sharp mind. And, and so I think one thing to keep in mind is that when we think about God's nature, God's character, you know, theologians will describe God's attributes in, in two ways. They'll, they'll essentially say that there are certain attributes that God has that just belong to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are certain attributes that God has that that we share. You know, so, for example, you know, God, you know, he um, you know, he is a loving God. Mm hmm. Um, God is you know he's free to act he has a will I mean those are things that to a certain degree right. we share with God but then there's things that God you know are just they they belong to him God is eternal you know God mm-hmm. is omnipotent I mean those are things that we do not possess and one of the things that theologians talk about as it relates to God's nature is attributes is God is a unity mm. and what they mean by that is that, that God is not divided into parts and, mm. and what you see in God's character and his nature as you read the scriptures, is that you see him, you know, emphasize or exercise certain attributes at different times or mm-hmm. in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so it is a, it's a faulty starting point, but it's all it's it's also a false dilemma or dichotomy that, that you can have both of those exist And what you see in God's character or in his attributes that, you can't is that have sometimes both that you yeah, yeah. That, that there are times where God exercises right. his love. Um, but it's always in in accordance with the truth, and there are mm-hmm. times where God, you see God's holiness or His justice or His righteousness. Um, but God is he, He's a unity, and so He is all of those things. God's whole being includes all of His attributes, mm-hmm. and so that was sort of my pushback to him. And so again, you know, we, we don't have to divide those two things. What's important for us is how we speak the truth, when we speak the truth, and again, the posture that we take when God gives us those opportunities and mm-hmm. relationships with other people.
0: Yeah, and I think that the misunderstanding, and this is what I want to get into now because I think this is really practical for people to understand, the misunderstanding in the church, and I will be the first to raise my hand and say that um, years ago, like Pat said, when we graduated, you know, I thought I knew everything. I, Yeah, and I probably stood so strong for things that weren't really you know, they weren't a matter of salvation. They did. So that's what I want to talk about. Like, how do people know what it is that really like they're coming? Yeah. What, what yeah. matters? What are the exactly. times that,
1: that things don't matter? Exactly. And yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really good, you know, we, we've been talking so far about like, how do we just relate with people that maybe are not yet following Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're describing is, okay, well, how do we, you know, how do we do that? Like, how do we keep that tension? Um, when we're dealing with other followers of Jesus, so within the church, you know, yeah. maybe it's somebody within a Bible study or small group, and and so I think there's some helpful ways of just maybe um, discerning those things, you know, when when to uh, you know what's worth fighting for. Right. Um, and I would say one thing to keep in mind is what what is an absolute. Mm-hmm. And I would you yes. know the, the the image that always comes to my mind is you know is a target, you know, with a bullseye in the center. And so if you were looking at a target with a bullseye in the center the absolute would be right at the center. Mm -hmm. And and those are issues of salvation. Is Jesus the only way? Can somebody be saved apart from Christ? Like that's an absolute, like that's a hill worth dying on. Um, and so we, we want to protect that. Um, you know, the nature of God is God triune, is he father, son, and spirit. I mean, those are our issues that are, are absolutes. Mm Um, and those are, are incredibly important. And I think when you're you know, maybe for somebody that's, that's wrestling with finding a church or they're talking to a friend, um, like, like that's worth sometimes, um, you know, uh, separating over saying, Hey, I can't go to this church anymore. Cause you no longer teach this, for example, right. uh, that would be an absolute. Now, if you were to go a little bit further from the, the bullseye, I would put on, on that next circle, uh, convictions and convictions are things that, that are not matters of salvation. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, um, <laughs> let's think of one. Uh, yeah, well, you well, know, it's one that's probably th- that gets talked about a mm-hmm. lot would be like women in ministry. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, if you are a, if you go to a church that it's male leaders, male pastors, male elders only, or you go to a church that has female elders and pastors, mm-hmm. um, that would be an issue. Like, that I would say is a conviction. It's not an absolute.
0: Yeah. And see, okay, so let's just stop. In other words, somebody
1: can be a Christian and be wrong about that and still go to heaven. It's not a matter of salvation.
0: There is so much fighting within the church and people are called heretics and everything else.
1: Spiritual gifts is another one. Uh Do certain gifts continue or have they ceased?
0: And so this is why I think this is an important thing to talk about, because not only, I mean, when we talk about grace and truth, I mean, let's be honest, the hardest, this can be the hardest for Christians with other Christians. Right. Absolutely. And we're not just talking about your neighbor who isn't following Christ or somebody at work or, or whatever we are, we are talking about you and the people the other people you know who are following christ and i think that like you said there's those absolutes of course like there there is one way to heaven you know what i mean like there's absolutes but then you go to the convictions and i feel like this is where we can get caught up and there's a lot of fighting and and it can get really yucky. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't.
1: <laughs> it can be really yucky. But yeah. I think you know, you, we, you know, we're talking about you know some of those different. I mean, I think spiritual gifts is another, mm-hmm. um, you know, theological question that you see Christians really. I mean, I've heard Christian leaders and pastors say that if you uh, believe that, for example, the gift of healing still continues today, you're a heretic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so so some of those more charismatic gifts we might call them of tongues or. Um, you know, miracles or the gift of prophecy, for example, that, that word is sort of a spontaneous word of encouragement that God gives you for the sake of building somebody else mm-hmm. up. I think that's another good example of what I would say a, a conviction. And so you might have a completely different position on that. You might say, you know what? I believe that, that those gifts of the Spirit cease, that when the, the canon of Scripture closed, and the last apostle died that, you know, God no longer, you know, uh, poured out his spirit in that way or no longer gave the, the church that particular gift anymore. And so that might be your camp. But like, I think we can still
0: respect respect
1: one another, honor one another and not call one another heretics if we we have a different view right. on that. That's not a that's not a it's not an I think absolute it's
0: using wisdom to understand that there are all different views on these things. OK, so we have to keep going here.
1: We do, but really quick. So here's just a really quick, a couple of quick questions I think that are helpful to ask yourself um, when you're dealing with those Mm -hmm. types of issues is, is this a matter of salvation? Number one, Um, is it a matter of God's character? Number two, Um, number three, is it a matter of morality? You know, Mm. so when you get into the issue, for example... Um, of of the unborn um, mm. and abortion. Is this a, a matter of, of morality? Is this an issue of taking innocent life? Right. All life is sacred, but not all threats to life are the same. And so mm-hmm. as we, we think about that, we, we ought to, uh, to be very careful that, that that's an issue um, that, that the church needs to be compassionate but also courageous about. Mm-hmm. The issue of same-sex marriage, for example, right. Th- those are moral issues of our day that are incredibly important Um, And then I think, is it clear in scripture, you know? And and so I think those can be just helpful guiding questions. You can go, boy, you know what? Like that's not super clear in scripture um, as it relates to, uh, to the gift, certain spiritual gifts or women or men only. And, you know, those kinds of doctrinal issues to just ask yourself those questions. Does that in any way affect God's character? Is it a matter of salvation? Is it a matter of morality? And how clear is that in, in mm. scripture? And so I think those I can be helpful questions just to know when, um, you know, to, you know, just, I think it just, it helps us to know what kind of posture. Yeah. To and take. those
0: will be, we'll put those in the show notes. Cause I think those are very important questions to be asking ourselves. So let's get really practical. I know I keep saying, what does this look like practically, but I love to talk about practically, how do we live this <laughs> out? Um, so in talking about grace and truth and love and truth, um, what does it like look like to actually be? walking, breathing, living this out here. And we want to give you some things to walk away with, um, to give you um, courage to walk with grace and with truth both. And so I would say one thing that's really, for me, important and something I always keep in mind. um, I'm very, very strong in my convictions. And first, um, like you were saying earlier, I'm my first um, duty is to God and right. His Word, yep. and so, um, but I always try to lead with love, and um, that means that you know gentleness, graciousness. Um, people won't listen to me if I if I don't lead with love. That doesn't mean I have to, um, you know, shy away from the truth, but I think it makes all the difference in the world when I choose to lead with love. And so practically I would say that's huge. Um, you know, don't just throw a blanket statement out there and think that people are going to, you know, go along with it. Um, lead with love. This is where I even think about relationships really are important in this, you know, um, our neighbor might eventually start following Christ because we chose to love them over and over again and be kind to them. Um, and then when it's time, then we can speak truth to them. You know what I mean? That it's kind of that idea. So I that's a big thing for me is to lead with love.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, again, I think the most important thing is how does God feel about this? And, that, you know, I think sometimes we get so concerned about, oh, I hope I don't hurt so and so's feelings. And Mm -hmm. like, we're never asking the question, what about God? Um, How does this make him feel? And so I think you're, I'm so glad you, you just really clarified for that, that that's our first obligation Mm -hmm. is to honor him, to honor his word, to be truthful to him. And, and then as it relates to interacting with other people, you know, number one is, is to always lead with love. And I think the second thing is just to be patient with people. I mean, change is a, a long process. It's a lifelong process. And we all
0: are changing, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
1: so I think, you know, you just, when you think about that, that, that as you're loving somebody again, not because they're a project or you see them as, you know, it, it's, that's just comes out of you because the love of God is in you. And so as you're loving them and hopefully with God's help and through the power of his spirit, you, you're leading them towards a relationship with Jesus. You're just being patient with them. You're not right. being pushy. You're being patient with them and you're allowing God um, to work through you and, and in their life. And then I think the third thing is that we need to be willing to tell the truth. And I think that's the the bottom line is that that God gives us opportunities. And I think we like use that word wisdom. We, We need to be wise. We need to be discerning. But as we're in a loving relationship with somebody, as we're being patient with them, that when God gives us those opportunities, that we really do have the courage to speak the truth. Mm, Um, And so I I think of Galatians 6 as another great example from the scriptures about, you know, what that looks like. Verses 1 and 2, you know, we read, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, uh, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, uh, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the love of Christ. Now, Paul's talking about, you know here between uh, you know christians if somebody is is doing something mm-hmm. that is dishonoring to god is disobedient to god we have a moral obligation uh, to approach them in love and to be truthful to them to call them out of right. that sin but to do it in a gentle and respective way but i think that applies as well to non-christians you know those that are not mm-hmm. following jesus is that we need, do need to be willing to have those hard conversations or when we disagree with somebody uh, whether it's about abortion or same-sex marriage or whatever the issue is, or or you know just you know somebody doesn't believe that that Jesus is the only way, um, like we need to be willing with God's help to speak the truth. We're not helping anybody. We're not really loving somebody if we don't if, speak. If the we truth. don't speak the truth, that's
0: right. And I think, like I said before, people are willing, more willing to listen when you lead with love. And it's I I almost feel like people are kind of they're a little bit perplexed. Like, who is this, per-? you know, like they're speak, they're so kind, you yeah, know, yeah. they' speak. When you speak the truth with kindness, I think it makes people listen. It really does because it's not normal.
1: And, and I think it's, you know, we, we do need to rem- remember that, that there are plenty of times again, because the culture we're living in where we will be loving, we will be patient and we will speak the truth yes. in a gentle, humble way. And people will still hate our guts for it. Well, that's and, true. And we just need to be okay with that. Yes. Because um, again, it goes back to where you started at the end of the day. Um, we'll stand before God. On yeah. That. Our allegiance and, is to Christ. And so yes. we, we need to, to remember that there are plenty of times where people will not respond in a good way or an honorable way. And, and we need to be okay with that um, because we have what, what Peter says, you know, is we have set Christ apart as Lord and we've got to start and finish on that.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, we can see here as we talk through this that there is such a delicate balance between truth and love. And we should be mindful of this because like we said, you don't win someone over by being argumentative or mean or so you know overbearing. We have to lead with love. And I think if we can be slow to speak, like the Bible tells us, we can learn to lead with love and use discernment and wisdom to navigate hard topics we can have a great impact. That's why I'm so excited to, t- to have this series coming up with these hard questions. Well, before we go, I want to remind you that we love to hear from you. So please don't hesitate to reach out and share how God is working in your life through our books or the podcasts, at Patrick W. Schwank and at Ruth Schwank on Instagram. That's where we're hanging out the most. So join us over there. And don't forget to stick around for just a minute here because then you'll be able to hear today's key idea. Wow, what a great conversation today. And as you know, if you've been joining us every week, each week we walk away with a key idea. It's the main takeaway summing up what we've talked about. It's kind of like that thing where like, this is the most important. So today's key idea is love is acting out of benevolence for the benefit of someone else. We will also be sure to put that key idea in the show notes as well as anything else we referenced at RootLikeFaith.com forward slash podcast. And as I said before, you can follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and at Ruth Schwenk, or on Facebook. And as if I don't say it enough already, we are thrilled you're joining us and we welcome you into our family here at Root Like Faith. If you enjoyed the show today, would you be so kind to leave us a review or rating? They really do help us. It's a tremendous help to us as we spread the word about Root Like Faith. And we are so, so grateful for your help.